I'm Adam Epstein, and I'm a dirty moderate. Dirty moderates, welcome to this edition. Stay dirty, stay moderate. And thank you, by the way, for always listening. We're grateful for your support, allowing us to book all these amazing guests, and also for me every week to come to you with my take. And my take this week is relevant to why I do this in the first place. Because I believe, my producers believe, Dirty Moderate as an idea is committed to the idea to freedom. Freedom means freedom for everybody. And it's not an empty slogan for us. It's a universal idea. And it is, I believe, the antidote to this toxic political climate that we're in, this this tribalism that seems to go down to our national marrow and keep us apart. But in truth, there are a lot of ideas and concepts that animate who we are as a country and and what makes us unique. We think America is unique for all of our woes that I think do unify us or that are worth discussing, but also worth questioning as like, why can't we as a country left, right, middle, and otherwise agree on freedom. And what does it mean? What, are, what is freedom? What is equality? What is liberty? These terms are tossed around pretty loosely. You know, one person's liberty can be another person's jail cell, you might say, you know. You might say that there are many groups of people. I might say this about the social conservative movement, the anti-abortionists, who are cops in the name of liberty, right? Liberty for the fetus, but not for the woman. Or their very narrow definition of liberty. But it's clear we can't agree. But, you know, there's some political philosophy out there that could help us shed some light. You know, I was political philosophy major in undergrad, and then I did my master's in American studies, and I've been a, a student, you might even say a geek of political theory for a long time. And I thought we would kind of talk about some of these concepts today, like freedom. You know, it's a very closely held value not just us, but to the West. It's something that we hear, Western democracy, right? Freedom, not just here, but abroad. We say we want freedom at home. We want to fight for it abroad. But you can't get a lot of people to agree on what freedom is, right? I don't think any two people could probably agree. And this is the age-old philosophy conundrum, the question, the thing that have plagued thinkers, political and otherwise, for centuries. I mean, Plato famously said the question is more important than the answer. Well, I'm here to ask the question again. I don't know if we'll have an answer, but I could tell you one philosopher that might help had a, help, bleh, help us shed some light Excuse me, on everything. That's Isaiah Berlin. He has some theories on freedom. And I think in this polarized age, though I hate to just say this polarized age, I think in any polarized age, maybe we can shed some light and come to some idea, maybe even an agreement resolution of some kind on what freedom is. So Isaiah Berlin was a very famous philosopher and thinker. He has a famous essay that I love that is very impactful on my thinking. It was written in 1958. It was called Two Concepts of Liberty. All right. And in that, he looked at two different kinds of liberty. There are two different distinguishable kinds of liberty, uh, but they all overlap. You could say they're interdependent. You could say that they contradict each other, that they're paradoxical. 
I think you could say they're dirty moderate. That's why we're talking about it. Well, the first kind of liberty he identifies is negative liberty. Yeah, I know that sounds not so good, but au contraire. You know, when people talk about freedom, especially in the American ideal, freedom from something, that's what they mean by negative liberty. Berlin himself is quoted in that essay saying, I am normally said to be free to the degree to which no man or body of men interferes with my activity. You might say that's live and let live. Don't tread on me. Get the government out of my life. Negative freedom is essentially what we are free from. Very important idea in political philosophy. It's very important in America because we think of our lives in America as being free from obstacles, constraints, and coercion. Coercion and constraints from what? From the government. Negative liberty is we aren't necessarily freedom or free to do something, but we are free from those restraints. And with the, within those restraints, that negative liberty, weirdly enough, kind of generates a positive liberty so that the government isn't in your way. It isn't constraining your individual freedom or liberty. That, again, applies not just socially, not just to a woman's right to choose, which I support, not just to marriage equality, which even if I weren't a gay man, I would be for, not just the right to who you love and want to love, not just the right to decide what gender you are, free from government stigma or intrusion, not just the right to own a gun, not any gun, but certainly handguns for to protect yourself in your own home, as per the Second Amendment, a Bill of Rights, right? It's an important Bill of Rights. But we think of this negative liberty in respect to the government and its laws, okay? So freedom from anything that might hinder our ability or impede our ability to act in the way we choose. Negative liberty, okay? Think of it this way, simplify Someone drives down the street, imagine they can just go anywhere they please, right? What can they do? They can drive cross country, can drive to the doctor, the grocery store, get gas, whatever. There's no like physical roadblocks, right? Yeah, there's traffic lights, of course, but there's no policeman blocking actual traffic. There's no barrier that says you can't go there, right? And but for you know, one-way streets or don't enter signs, you are free to drive where you like. Assuming that you want to do that right? That's a set of negative liberty. And it's part of freedom. It's, it's ingrained. You know, I talk a lot in this podcast about being free, being everybody. Again, we say it's fight like hell for democracy. Freedom means freedom for everybody. Well, we are free from government constraint. You know, I apply that to the government that overregulates, overspends, zealously taxes, Right? It's not partisan, folks. It's not rhetoric that's been, I believe, you might say, oh, integrated or co-opted even by the Democratic or Republican parties, which I'm a member of neither. It's a question of freedom, right? And Americans enjoy that for a reason, individual liberty. Now, second kind of freedom Isaiah Berlin identifies as positive liberty, right? So where negative liberty is only concerned about freedom from, positive liberty is concerned with the freedom Two. What does Berlin say about that? Well, he says the positive sense of the word liberty derives from the wish on the part of the individual to be his own master. I wish my life and decisions to depend on myself, not on external forces of whatever kind. So this specifically, this quote here in terms of positive liberty, right? Contrasting it with his 
explanation earlier of negative liberty is positive liberty is concerned with what ability we have, what capacities we have as human beings to act on the things we want, our willpower, our free will. And I don't mean free will in a metaphysical sense. I mean just our freedom to do something, right? Consider the guy driving or the person driving. You're free to do that, right? But you can only drive under the concept of positive liberty or you can only uh, take up any activity, whatever that is. If you got a car, you got money for gas, if you have money for lodging and for food, for example, if you drive cross country, you have the money and the time to do it, right? Could be anything. Positive liberty, your right to go learn how to, you know, fly an airplane. Well, it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. If you have work, as most people do, or something primary that occupies you, you may not be able to do that. And so if the answer to any of these questions is no, then it would be said that our potential pilot or anyone engaging in an activity, whether it be this driver, we keep talking about a driver, is not free to go across the country in the positive sense or go wherever they want. Well, then they are free in the negative sense to do so, but they aren't able to do it because of certain restrictions. They might not be physical restrictions, but they might be societal or cultural or sociological, whatever it may be. Now, some people object to negative liberty for this reason, you know, and this is where it all sounds kind of partisan, you know. The traditional conservative argument is, is you know, negative liberty relates to politics, and it's a free country, they say, and you're free to, to do what you want, and the government shouldn't be in the way. Well, in the idealist sense, it is great. I love that. I live by it because I apply it economically, socially, culturally, philosophically, but in our fractured republic, in our toxic politics, in our partisan, hyper-partisan world, it doesn't, it doesn't suss out that way, right? I mean, in America, right, technically a person living on the street and a billionaire would theoretically have the same negative liberty, right, according to Berlin's theory. Okay, but there's a huge difference, right? Because negative liberty, according to the positive liberty crowd, you might say this belongs more to the liberal way of thinking, doesn't take into account inequality, poverty, structural disadvantages. They could be racial. They could be class-based. They could be gender-based. They could be just a run of bad luck, right? But negative liberty people, right, could see their liberty impinged and infringed upon because you got to pay more taxes to take care of this or enforce other laws that might encroach upon you, you you could say there was an argument to say, well, what about my freedom now? My freedom not to have to pay for that. Not necessarily because negative liberty is selfish. It's not so simple. It's all interconnected, Berlin said, because people are interdependent and nobody wants their liberty or their freedom, as it were, to be restricted or somehow restrained, right? Berlin has a famous quote, freedom for the pike is death for the minnows, right? You don't want to be a minnow and have your head on a pike. But the pike is free to exist in this philosophical world. Philosophy is so interesting because we can chew on it all day. You can go into a rabbit hole. We can have a mental breakdown over it. Many a philosopher has. But here's the thing. Positive and negative liberty, and as it relates to right now, gay marriage and abortion, all those things. Patrick Henry, American Revolution, give me liberty or give me death. Positive and negative liberty cover the same points. If you are prevented from going out 
to dinner, right? You're not free to do that. Not freedom. Even if there's details as to why. Think about mask mandates, right? If you are not free to go into a place of business without a mask, and I'm not making a statement on COVID. COVID's real. It's done a lot of damage. But with looming mask mandates again, which means those of us who've done the work, those of us who now feel that we're vaccinated and we've taken care of ourselves, we are now not free potentially in a place like Los Angeles where I live to go into a store or restaurant without a mask. Even if we don't want to, the city's telling us we have to, right? kind of a positive liberty, even though it's a negative idea, in my opinion, because of what it restricts. It's a positive liberty because it says that, you know, freedom has to be curtailed on behalf of everybody. But then think about this again, philosophically, well, then doesn't that curtail my individual freedom? It's always a dance, guys, always a balance. In the dance world, they call it a pas de deux. The answer's out there and know what I'm talking about. Or maybe, maybe in English, a do do But increasing one kind of freedom invariably reduces the amount of the other freedom. And that's the paradox. Berlin noted the paradox. Students of political philosophy then and now know the paradox. I always wrestle with this. You know, if freedom is assumed to be the best thing, the ideal thing, the thing that we all want, then isn't any infringement on it? Isn't any kind of coercion theoretically going to impinge upon it, but isn't the idea of positive liberty, which might coerce people, for example, to wear a mask or people to lose their right over their bodily autonomy as the rueful and awful Dobbs abortion decision that was handed down by SCOTUS a week, excuse me, a month ago, right? They're now have lost their sense of negative liberty because they're not free from state coercion. Women now essentially have to worry if their uteri are subject entirely to state control. Well, that's, that's not negative liberty, ironically, right? Some people feel that it's important to save the fetus or protect the innocent or to have more babies or whatever it may be. But then again, the individual freedom, the individual negative liberty is constrained, right? Think about a theocratic state. Think about The Handmaid's Tale. Everybody's starting to call us Gilead and Boy, was Margaret Atwood the author, the Canadian author who in 1985 wrote the original novel. It's a bit close to home now, but scary. It's a theocratic state. It's a totalitarian theocratic state where freedom is defined as only completely in alignment with the Bible. Word of the Lord, a very strict word, theological, not democratic, religious, not secular. So anything that doesn't comport or reconcile with these Religious beliefs, these biblical beliefs is now then viewed as subject to control. Again, positive liberty, not negative liberty, if you follow me. Authoritarianism does that, takes away our rights, right? In many instances, like the original Bolshevik revolution, communist Russia, was to overthrow the czar so that poor peasants of Russia could do better and that there could be an equal or more equal world in the wake of 400 years of Romanov rule of the Russian Empire. Well, guess what? Peasants were starved to death under collectivization programs. It didn't quite work out that way. And other people's liberties became subject to the state whim, state policy, state ideology. Again, on behalf of the greater good, it's actually supposed to be a positive liberty, but it constrains negative liberty. So a theocracy would do that, and in many ways, the abortion decision 
handed down by six Catholic justices, does just that. Somehow it's couched in sin and therefore not holy and therefore not legal and therefore not a negative liberty being free from, right? Because now you don't have the freedom to control your body. Historically, libertarians, classical liberals, classical liberals are private property drawn from the English theory, political theory of John Locke and the idea and the enlightenment that the individual has rights to life, liberty, and property. That's kind of classical liberalism. But libertarians, classical, liberal, classical liberals, myself, kind of always think negative liberty is sort of prime, right? Because sure, a woman's oppressed by the state. If a state is actually owning their womb, so to speak. But what about a state that takes too much of my money, a state that makes it impossible for my small business to survive or that makes it harder for me to hire more people to give them a better life, right? Because only the disadvantaged are viewed as oppressed, not people who are somehow working in, or shall we say, not disadvantaged, right? Because both sides, both views of liberty can claim a definition of freedom. And here's the thing, as America, as Americans, we, we enjoy a wide range of them, right? Think about it, though. The original Constitution, what the framers were up to, right, was written with the idea of negative liberty. Americans are free from government. And it's all, it's become this Tea Party right-wing rallying cry, but it's enshrined in our national DNA. We are assured that the government will not restrict us. We are free from their restriction on our right to speak, to petition, freely assemble, go to church, synagogue, or a mosque of our choosing, all under the First Amendment. Now, later amendments are more positive liberty, right? They're sort of you know, uh, giving women the right to vote. Civil Rights Act, which finally meant that the federal government had to step in because individuals alone were not taking, particularly in the South, necessary means to share freedom with other people, right? Had to desegregate, get rid of poll taxes, make sure that no matter the color, creed, or gender, nothing would get in the way of voting. Well, that's more of a positive liberty. I don't think it impinges upon anybody. But the old classical argument would be, well, in negative liberty, what about my right, you know, to have a restaurant not, you know, serve a gay customer or a black customer? Well, you can't do that. And that's been a long, a long held debate. And I think that is progress that you can't do that. But liberty's complex as our politics is. Isaiah Berlin gives us a, a blueprint as so many philosophers do. But freedom allows us to live a life without fear or oppression. I mean... We're in an era now where the Mutant Clown Caucus, and I'm borrowing the great Rick Wilson's words, Rick Wilson, Lincoln Project, calls the Marjorie Taylor Green, Matt Gates crowd, the uh, Mutant Clown Caucus. Lauren Boebert, I'm tired of this separation of church and state. That's what she said recently. It's 2022, folks. And we can't agree, but we have ideas that are out there. And we do know that we have a government predicated on freedom from government coercion. That's why we fought a revolution. Colonists were not represented through the, through the yoke of the English monarchy, the old English empire off, right? A little colonial outpost and forged a new and better world now two and a half centuries old. Liberty matters to all of us. Freedom matters to all of us. But in a time when democracy hangs in the balance, the question is not only what kind of liberty do we want, 
But how hard are we willing to fight for it? How hard will we go? Much deeper than no taxation without representation. It's fundamental. It's creedal. And by golly, I'll say it, it's American. Folks, freedom means freedom for everybody. We fight like hell for democracy here. Make sure that you follow, listen, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. And do not forget to vote.org, 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 folks. It's all on the line in 22 before we can worry about 24. It is the authoritarian wolves at the door versus people who still want the liberty I'm talking about. No matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, the idea of liberty is at risk. Thank you for listening, by the way. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking. And I hope you all stay dirty, stay moderate, and stay safe.